Anyway, we're, we're glad everybody's here. Uh, we're in Job 39. And uh, uh, Jim's going to have his other hand done in a few weeks uh, once his right wing gets healed up a little more, I guess. So, uh, I did want to update you on our Dominican Republic team. They are coming home uh, late tomorrow night. And uh, I, I texted Brian Hedges last night just to see if he wanted to give us an update. And so let, let me read you what he wrote. Uh, I think he was kind of conservative this morning. Uh, our, our pastor is just so uh, efficient. He he sent us these uh, these announcements that he wanted made uh, like at three or four this morning. So from the Dominican, he emailed us this. Uh, so I'm like, wow. So uh, what's that? When will they be back? I think it's either late tomorrow night or early Tuesday morning. So today is kind of their last main day. They're having church services there. But uh, Brian just says it's an excellent trip. He says this small team has been a big help. The three days of evangelism that ended this morning, that was yesterday morning. He said we saw a lot of professions of faith. Uh, He thinks around 80 people have gotten saved. And that's about the number of provision baskets they gave out. Um, He says... He says, last night's outreach looked like a flop for the first few minutes. He said, literally, like one guest showed up. Then God blessed the invitation and bags of provisioned effort, and we had a full house about 30 minutes in. He said, Lee was very wisely uh, shared the neck... Some of you have heard of the Chosen uh, TV show. And so he says that Lee shared the Nicodemus episode of The Chosen. He showed a video for the guests that came. And uh, he invited folks back tonight for teaching. Again, it was a slow start, but God blessed. And by the time Lee was in about 30 minutes, we had 15 adults learning about the two spiritual families and why we must be born again. He said he did a phenomenal job communicating. Johnny was the translator, uh, was a hit, but Lee gave about 50% of the message in Spanish. He says uh, Mickey, uh, Jordan, and Pam worked with the children and taught about Peter and did a great job feeding the little lambs on a concrete floor with blankets. Uh, they really soldiered through in the hum- humidity and the heat. Great job by each of them. Uh, the time they have spoke. Uh, Brian says uh, this is the birthing of a church, and it's exciting and marvelous to be part of it. The first time to show a movie, first time to teach the adults discipleship and follow-up principles. It's the first time to have so many people on board and coming from the community. Hallelujah to God be the glory. We will have a, a couple services tomorrow, which is today, and they'll pray, pray, prepare to return home on Monday. 
And so he just says to thank the whole church for uh, our prayers. And so uh, let's just pray again real quick, if we can, for the team, uh, lest we forget. So let's pray again. Lord, we do thank you for... our pastor and uh, Pam and uh, Jordan Fox as as they're uh, finishing up their uh, mission trip down in the Dominican Republic and thank you Lord for Lee and Heather and all the effort and planning and uh, just the tireless labor they've done this week and the weeks in preparing and Lord as they uh, return home I pray they can uh, uh, depart with your blessing I pray your good hand be upon them as uh, our group travels home we pray for safety we pray for just the logistics and the connecting flights and the luggage and that they can um, uh, just have a sweet send off by the the group there and Lord for those uh, you know I've heard 50 to 80 people that were saved I pray that they were sincere conversions Lord that they'll want to follow you in believers baptism that they'll want to be discipled and Lord that they may walk with you uh, their, their whole lives and bring up their families in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so bless the church in Valiente uh, bless your servant uh, Lee and his family and uh, Johnny and uh, his wife and their, their children and so Lord uh, bless us now as we uh, look into the book of Job we, we love you and uh, praise you uh, in Jesus name Amen I just pray the 50 turn into 500 and mm. 500 to 5,000 <laughs> that sounds very biblical right there uh, so uh, we do have some new new folks, uh, relatively new folks. Uh, that's uh, B- Rob. Yes. Hey, welcome, brother. How are you? Good. Who, who's this with you? My mother. Wow. Hey, mom. <laughs> We're happy you're here. A friend of Rob's is a friend of ours. And so uh, we're studying the book of Job, and I'm going to try to make this as big as I can. So maybe, can you see that, Kevin, back there? Well, I don't have very good vision, but... Uh, Heather? I can see it. Okay. So this is... Uh, this is a little bit of a, a chapter overview of the book of Job. And uh, I got this from a couple different sources. I know Chuck Swindoll was one. I can't remember the other one. It, it might be Jeff Adam. But really the first two chapters talked about the attack of the enemy. And there were just a lot of disasters in Job's life. And uh, then he was assailed uh, by his friends. And so these, the middle portion of Job, I mean, I know some of you thought we would never be done with uh, his friends trying to confront Job about uh, sin in his life and why he's going through these disasters and attack. But right now we're in the final section, these last five I think that's five chapters, 34, 35, 36, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. So five chapters. And this is kind of the deliverance of Job. And we're, we're right in the middle of where God is speaking to Job out of a whirlwind. And, and uh, I mean, I think we, we can kind of take it literal that there's, there's this tumultuous wind and he hears the voice of God and probably his friends hear the voice of God as well. And so I don't know how long this goes on. But it seems like it could have taken, you know, hours and maybe days that this uh, communication went on. And uh, so it's really wild to think about that. I mean, we're sitting here reading it in somewhat of an air-conditioned environment, but uh, 
can you imagine him sitting there with his disease and the loss and he's you know hungry and tired and he wished for death more than once and and now God finally shows up and he's like you know gird up your loins Job and you know be a man here I'm going to ask you where you were when I made the foundations of the earth and made boundaries for the sea and and right now today we're talking about uh, animals God God is talking to Job about animals and their characteristics and uh, we gave a few reasons for suffering and uh, I put them up here again just we won't spend a lot of time, but a lot of times uh, God uses suffering that lost people might come to Christ. I mean, more than one people have went to jail. We, we've had many that have accepted Christ in the jail. I've had uh, people uh, know with cancer or some kind of disease that have just been broken. And uh, I know God used like uh, going broke financially in my life to lead me to Christ. And then sometimes he uses it for us to grow. Uh, you know, usually you don't get out of the third grade until you pass the second grade. There's usually some kind of testing. Uh, it may not be that way today, but there's certainly all of us here would probably say that your suffering, your testing has made you stronger as a Christian, wouldn't you? And so that's a reason for suffering. And then uh, I, I said that this is probably the most likely reason for Job. He really didn't have sin in his life, but God brought this suffering and he was able to uh, minister to us today by what he went through. And sometimes you may not be going through, you may be going through something for no fault of your own, but maybe God will use it down the road. And I gave the example of uh, a friend that I knew that had lost a child to crib death and he was a youth minister I mean he was serving the Lord and they lost their baby and and it, within a year later one of his best friends that was lost they lost their child to crib death and he was able to minister to them because he had been through that and and uh, anyway uh, and then there's a, a chastisement to be pure uh, sometimes we suffer because there's sin in our life and the Bible says that uh, God, every uh, God chastises every son that He loves. So, if if you're without chastisement, the Bible says you're you're bastards. I mean, you're not God's children because uh, He loves you enough to correct us. Is is the thing that, and we do that with our children, and 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 uh, God does that with His children. And then I thought I would just show you this last chart here. Um, this this is kind of the devil's reasoning. He he said if Job is blessed by God, then he'll be faithful. And if Job is not blessed by God, then he'll be unfaithful. I mean that that was satanic reasoning. It's like Job is only serving you God because you're blessing him. If you pull your hand to blessing, he will curse you. And God says, "Okay, uh go ahead and and uh, uh Take away his blessings and see if he curses. And he did not curse God. And then this is kind of the uh, human reasoning. Just if Job is faithful, then he will be blessed by God. And if Job is unfaithful, he'll be punished. And that was kind of the reasoning of Job's friend. It's very similar to the satanic reasoning. And then we said that uh, godly reasoning is... 
God does bless His faithful, but not how we think. And so, uh, just because someone's suffering doesn't mean that they're outside the will of God. And um, and it says there in Second Timothy, if we believe not, yet He abideth faithful; He cannot deny Himself. And so, if you're saved, and you may be having a bad day, and you may cuss, and you may not drive well on the highway, and you may not uh, be the best employee that day, but you're still saved, and God doesn't deny Himself, uh, but He'll He'll correct us. And uh, anyway, uh, if you look at your handout now, did I have enough handouts for everybody? Uh, Belinda did not get one, so maybe a couple can share one and. Um, so if you look at the uh, Pam I'm going to have you read that quote by Johnny Eric Sentata at the top of your handout there uh, would you read that for everybody whatever troubles are weighing you down are not changed they are feather weights when compared to the glory yet to come with a sweep of the prayer and the praise of the child's heart, God can strip away any cobweb. Yeah. And so that that is a lady who's a quadriplegic. Was it a diving accident? And she speaks at a lot of Christian conferences and she's written books and is really a good counselor and uh good artist. She does artist with like her mouth? Wow. Wow. I don't think I knew that. And so let, let's be turning on our Bibles to Job 39. And uh, I've decided we're just kind of going to go slow. We, we may use this same handout next week, so uh, hang on to it or I'll, I'll print some more. We, we're probably, I feel like there's quite a bit here. Job Psalms. So I'm. I guess I had a bookmarker. Um, so, one of the headlines, um, many, many of you know we've been looking at uh, Jeff Adams' book on the book of Job. And, uh, shoot, I meant to have you look at some place before we go to Job. Can you, can you go to 1 Corinthians 2? I want you to see this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 2. I want to give you a couple just kind of principles of Bible study. Um, This is going to sound funny, but uh, one Bible teacher said, you know, you can see a little further when you're standing on another man's shoulders. And that sounds funny, but it, uh, you know we we all kind of have teachers. We have people that have we have maybe commentaries, maybe preachers on the radio we like to listen to. But they help you see further, don't they? When when you and uh, that, that's actually what uh, Acts eight says. It says that uh, the Ethiopian eunuch he's. He, uh, Philip asked him if he understood what he was reading, and he said, "How can I, except some man should guide me?" And so we need we need uh, people to help guide us in the Word. And uh, Emma, would, do you have the First Corinthians two thirteen for us? 
First Corinthians two thirteen. Yeah. Which things also speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacher, but which the Holy Ghost teacher, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. Yeah, so one thing we've done a lot in this class is compare Scripture with Scripture. So the verse actually says comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And, uh, you know, as we read Job and God talks about all these animals, I mean, most of the animals are a little bit foreign to us. We've maybe seen them at a zoo. but So what we're going to do is we're going to look at other places in the Bible and just kind of gain some characteristics of these animals. Uh, Do you you know uh, when God made Adam and... uh, do you know that he, he God brought all the animals to Adam to see what he would name them? It's just kind of a strange story. And, and, and Adam did that all in one day, uh, maybe even just part of a day. And so um, I guess God is <clears throat> kind of doing something similar here with Job. Is like consider uh, at the end of chapter 38, let, let's all go to... Job 39 again, but at the end of chapter 38, he mentions lions and ravens. Hey, Lori. We may... I don't think we have another handout. Does anybody have a spare handout? Uh, Let me just give them mine. Yeah, because you got it online, don't you, honey? Um, or, you make me a copy later. Definitely. Yeah. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Uh, so we're right at the end, uh, starting uh, Job 39. <clears throat> and it starts out about talking about wild goats and hinds. And um, what do you think of, what is a hind? Probably a bull or it's something. A mountain, like a deer. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a dog, isn't it? That's a mountain. It, it, it's, it's some kind of deer. I think it's a deer. Deer that goes up in the mountains. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, my my thought is that it was like a female deer because the the male deers are called a, a roebuck in the Bible. Um, so so now let's uh, let's read this uh, verses one through four. Heather, do you, do you want to read those for us? Two to four. Uh, chapter thirty nine, one through four. One through four. Knowest thou the time when the wild goats of the rock bring forth, or canst thou mark when the hinds do calf? Canst thou number the months that they fulfill, or knowest thou the time when they bring forth? They bow themselves, they, they bring forth their young ones, they cast out their sorrows. Their young ones are in good action, they grow up with corn, they grow forth, and return not unto them. Yeah, so it mentions these uh, in verse 1 was the wild goats and uh, the hinds do calve. Uh, so I'll, I'll look that up. Uh, I, I put on there that uh, the it wild... Huh? It is a deer. Okay. That the wild goats are connected with the wilderness. Uh, I gave you a few references for that. So we won't necessarily look look there. 
uh, and the hinds, the Bible says they have swift feet, and uh, you guys will get tickled at this. Um, many of you know, many of you know uh, Caleb and Jessica Larkham. And um, I'll have to read you the verse that I sent them. The, their, uh, I mean, Caleb was a, quite an athlete himself, but uh, their boy, their uh, son Elias, got uh, he got uh, baptized last Sunday. But they also have a boy, uh, Ethan, and uh, so he he plays football with our grandson and. Ethan can just about run circles around everybody. I mean, there's another boy or two that keep up with him pretty good, but I sent him a verse here. It says, And there were three sons of Zerui there, Joab and Abisha and Asahel. And Asahel was as light a foot as a wild roe. So I said that because he's he's real light on his feet, and uh, you know if they make him run the distance of the field, I mean he he could lap people if he ran around the field. So little Ethan's got those hinds feet, and uh, they're li- he's very light on his feet, and uh, I never was, so I admire that. So those are just some characteristics. But uh, in the context that Heather read for us, it talks about them giving birth, and it's like you know, Job. Maybe you can tell how long their gestation period is, and there's really some unique things in nature about that. Uh, I've looked at that before, um, and uh, just in nature, there's just a lot of patterns and uh, you know when I grew up on the farm and uh, I bet uh, Emma could attest to this that uh, every ear of corn always has an even number of rows and uh, there's things about oak leaves that uh, I kind of forget some of the things I'm, I'm even thinking about right now but just some of these patterns so basically he's telling Job you know there's times of the year that uh, the animals mate and they have uh Babies, and you might be able to kind of mark, and but you can't you can't really control when that is, and uh, so there's some there's some things here that I wrote on your handout. Uh, letter B, uh, like Jesus, uh, God answers Job's questions with questions, and uh, even if we can't understand the question, we we can learn from things that God has made, and that's what Romans one twenty says that. Uh, the invisible things of God are clearly seen uh, by the things that he's made. Uh, and letter C there says, So man can observe and mark and number the times and seasons for the gestation period of these animals, but he cannot control them. And uh, I gave you a reference from Galatians that Christ was born of a woman in the fullness of time. And... Uh, Anyway, just things around Christ's first coming are just uh, marvelous. That it was just like the perfect time. You know, Rome had had developed uh, roads 
and you know, you know, they used to say all roads lead to Rome. Well, that uh, it was just the perfect time for the gospel to be spread on those roads. And uh, really, there was almost a one-world language. You know, uh, Alexander the Great, uh, he had uh, conquered a lot of this area, and his uh, sergeants became uh, kind of the the lead, the foundation of the the Romans. If I'm saying that right, that sound right? And uh, but anyway, just for the language, the roads, and the nation of Israel had you know they're they're back from and and the the silent period of God and it was just the fullness of time is what the Bible says and uh, we we you know no man could have controlled when that was or stopped it if they did know and the same thing is true about his his return and and then I gave you the verse just from uh, Hebrews nine just. Uh, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So we all have an appointment. There's a time that we're going to die. And, and after this the judgment. And that's, uh, I guess that's uh, Dottie's sister this week. Uh, she she uh, passed away and uh, she'll enter into uh, judgment uh, like all of us will. But uh, the thing that uh, kind of stood out here to me is this last point here. The birthing of animals and the travail that they go through to, is a picture of a woman in travail. And this is mentioned several times in Scripture as the second coming of Christ. This travail of a woman. And uh, you know, you know the things, and you ladies would agree with this, that uh, when you go into labor... Uh, your uh, what do they call it? The the birthing pains, uh, contraction. the contraction. So, so you have the contractions, and they get uh, you know more intense and closer together as the time of birth happens. And so, so it is with the Lord. So, you know, uh, the Bible actually in Romans eight says that the whole world is travailing. And so we see, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I read a study on uh, tornadoes and how they're becoming more frequent and closer together. And we see, uh, you know, fires in Hawaii. We see a hurricane on the West Coast. We, uh, the Bible says that the earth is travailing to, to bring about uh, the sons of God, uh, this, this uh, adoption. And so uh, even the earth itself is travailing, Romans 8 says. So, uh, what, what, so I gave you, you know, we don't believe that the church will go through the seven-year tribulation period. But there's a verse here in Acts that I gave you as a teaching point that uh, Paul and I believe uh, Barnabas was with him here confirming the soul's of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God and I'll put that uh, up on the board if you can see that and that way I, I won't write it out but um, so there you know and uh, I, I bet if I went and, and talked to each one of you that there was some type of tribulation you were going through when you got saved. That there was some difficulty, something prompted you that you needed the Lord. And uh, that that's true of almost all of us. And so, 
the, the early church that uh, was there was was no different. Uh, they were facing a persecution, and they were, that's what caused them to scatter and leave Jerusalem. But it caused them to go to Antioch, and that Antioch became like the sending church for these missionary journeys of Paul. And uh, anyway, any any questions or thought about this first section about the wild goats and the hinds? I think what we glean, I mean, the context is talking about birth and the times of those things and this new life. And so that that was kind of things that I was thinking as I was reading it. Uh, okay, well, this next section here, uh, if somebody can read 5 through 8, uh, Kevin, is that you? 5 through 8? Yep. <clears throat> who has sent out the wild ass breed? Who has loosed the bands of the wild ass? Whose house have I made the wilderness and the barren land his dwellings? He scorneth the multitudes of the city, neither regardeth he the crying of the driver. The range of the mountains is his pasture, and he searcheth after every green thing. Yeah, uh, so uh, hold, hold your place here and look back a few pages at uh, chapter 11 and see, uh, see if you remember... Way back when we were in chapter eleven, and uh, Rob, do you do you have this? You, uh, you and your mother want to read eleven, Job eleven twelve. For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass colt. Yeah. Now uh, <clears throat> it says man is born like a wild ass's coat. So there's there's a certain amount of wildness. But also, this thing of an ass, as we compare Scripture with Scripture, we find that he pictures a lost person. And uh, we, we know that. Uh, I, I know at our county fair, we used to, I used to watch... Uh, you guys should go to my county fair. It's... Uh, I mean, they've got sheep and all kind of animals and 4-H and people make pies and that's the whole thing. And yes, they do. The mutton busting. They have little kids trying to ride and they have bigger kids trying to ride little calves and grease pigs. They have grease pigs. It's yeah. oh yeah, ATV. But the highlight is the tractor pull because we we it's like a three state. They bring in and we've got a jumbotron at our state our county fair uh, two jumbotrons I think one at the end and one at the beginning but anyway it's a big deal but uh, we have had uh, we a couple of years we had a guy try to race a horse one of our football players and, and I, I think it is like a hundred yard dash you can beat a horse because it takes them a little while to get started so I witnessed that but we had uh, donkey jumps and things like that and the chainsaw guys and uh, anyway uh, but you know it's pretty hard to get a mule or a donkey to, to jump and sometimes they won't do it at all and uh, they won't even try and sometimes they get part way over and get hung up And but anyway the, the thing you know 
asses are, are typically stubborn, and 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 that's kind of what it, it's saying here. Uh, in verse five, that someone that that there's bands holding the wild ass that uh, someone looses them, and they. They're in the wilderness and barren land. I mean, some of this is pretty descriptive of lost people that they're in a little bit of a wilderness. They're barren, you know, kind of in an unfruitful place. And verse 7 talks about scorneth the multitude of the city. Like typically lost people don't like to be told what to do. They're rebellious. They're scorning people that the multitude. They don't regard the driver. Somebody's trying to tell them to do something. They're not going to regard that. And uh, they're just uh, they're searching for every green thing, so they're looking for something to fill them. And so all that is just very descriptive, isn't it, of lost people? And uh, maybe we can remember when we were lost that nothing really filled that void for very long, uh, like only the Lord can do. Amen. And uh, I gave you, if you can hold your place in Job thirty-nine, look at the Mark eleven. Mark 11, uh, each of the Gospels tell this story of, of Jesus telling His disciples to go and get a, uh, an ass's colt for Him. Do you guys remember the story of Jesus' triumphal entry? He rides on the back of an ass into Jerusalem. And it's, it's called His triumphal entry. We, we call it Palm Sunday. And Mark 11, I won't go through all these verses, but look at 11.2, and it says, And saith unto them, this is his disciples, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. Uh, and they found, and they went their way and found the colt tied as the, uh, by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. And, uh, uh, and I'll stop there. So, this is a reference to loosing the wild ass's colt. And the disciples do this. So, so think with me. Where did they find the colt? Uh, where two ways met. It's, it's at a crossroads. Uh, and that's where lost people are at. By a door there. It's a door without. So, yeah. they're outside of Christ and they're at a crossroad. And that's where we need to meet them. Because they're bonded, they're in bondage, so we can loose them and bring them to Christ. Do you guys see that? It's a beautiful story. And you know what Christ does? Christ tames that beast and breaks it. There's a certain breaking there, and he rides him into Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? And so this this picture of where do you think that would have been at? Do you think it would have been by the fishers' gate? Well, one of those say that they found that they were in Bethany, and uh, I think it was the eastern gate because uh, that's what's blocked up right now. And in the in the New Testament, I think it's also called the beautiful gate. And uh, you know, we we were actually there. 
And we, we were on the Temple Mount in 19. We were in Israel. And uh, we seen the gate from the, from the inside. We could look down at the gate. It was blocked up. And then we came up the hill. They, they think, uh, I forget... I think it was the hill leading up to the Easter Gate is where they think Stephen was stoned. They've got a little, well, not a little. They got a a big, like a little. Yeah, it's it's a it's a shrine. Maybe that's the best way to say it. And there's down the the valley Kidron. There they've got a couple of sepulchers. I think Elijah may have one there and another prophet. They've got a couple things, but. Anyway, uh, the eastern gate is, is bricked up. There's some gravestones outside that uh, the Jews have some beliefs about that. But anyway, so that, that was the eastern gate. And it's between the Mount of Olives and, uh, and uh, Jerusalem, which is on Mount Zion. So anyway, uh, anyway, the Lord wants... And this is only one of two places in the Bible that says the, the Lord had need of him. God, God, you know, these 50 or 80 souls that were saved in Dominican, God has need of them. And, uh, and so Brian and uh, Pam and Mickey helped go down there to loose them, didn't they? And, uh, Another example of uh, he'll meet us where we are. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. He'll, he'll come to us, doesn't he? Good, good, good comment. Steve, why won't they open the Easter gate? <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, was, you know, when the the Islam, the Muslims took over Jerusalem in uh, 1080 or so. That's why the the uh, Crusades were the Catholic Church's attempt to regain it. But while the Muslims had it, Jerusalem from then until World War One. They knew Jesus was coming through the eastern gate, so they walled it up. And they also put a cemetery in front of the eastern gate because Jews wouldn't walk through the cemetery. Ah. So that's why it's... I didn't know that part of it. Because the, the, the Islam, Muslims. Hmm. Hmm. So, of course, Jesus. I don't think Jesus. But that still doesn't tell me why wouldn't they? Well, I'll tell you that now. Well, well, they built a mosque on the Temple Mount. Honestly, the 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 Jews don't have control of the Temple Mount. No, it's a shared resource. Well, they did for a little bit. No, not not the Temple Mount. They have Jerusalem now. Yeah, they got the whole Jerusalem, but not the I, I think we we had to pass through some guards and a metal detector, and yeah. I think I had even a knife. We had to leave there, even going to the 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 wailing wall. We had to leave anything metal. I think that's maybe where I had to leave my knife at. But uh, they had armed guards on the Temple Mount that we had to pass through a little check station there to get up there. Yeah, they got the, one of the most serious armies around. Yeah, yeah. So they're afraid of somebody opening that eastern gate. Yeah, well, yeah. Their thought is, or the the Turkish guys. Yeah, Suleiman the Great's the one that walled it up. He had a dream about Jesus coming back, so he walled the gate up, so no one's coming through the eastern gate. Yeah, that was it. He was the king, and if he wasn't going through it, then nobody was. So. So the gate stays the way it is. It's still sealed up. So yeah, when Jesus comes back, he's gonna blow it through. Yeah, or he's just gonna walk through. Yeah, yeah. We'll be going to it through. Yeah. Also, so we'll all be there. And I gave you the reference there that Ezekiel 43, 1 through 4 is where the eastern gates mentioned. So now let's talk about unicorns. 
and uh, rainbows. <laughs> uh, let's do this next section. Uh, Rob, would your mother like to read, or do you want me to? No. Okay, that's no problem. What's your name, ma'am? Pat. Pat. All right. Um, so, Belinda, are are you in? Job 439. Let's go back to Job 39. And do uh, do verses 9 through 12. Will the unicorn be willing to serve thee or abide by thy crib? Can thou bind the unicorn to stand in the or will be harrow the valley's attribute? Wilt thou trust him because his strength is great? Or wilt thou leave thy labor to him? Wilt thou believe him that he will bring home thy seed and gather it into thy home? <clears throat> Thank you. Sorry about that. Uh, so we're in Job 39, and uh, this is the Bible program that I use. And I wanted you to see this. Um, you can turn on these Strong's numbers, and if you if you didn't know, uh, a guy named James Strong kind of categorized every word of the Bible and. He assigned a, a number to all the Hebrew words and a number to all the Greek words. And so in the Old Testament, uh, most of the verses are in Hebrew. And so, uh, what Belinda read about this unicorn, if I, if I just click on this, I don't know if you guys can see, uh, there's a, Right beside the word unicorn, there's an H for Hebrew, and 72:14 is is the word. And so, if we click on that, we can go to the Hebrew word. And um, so, that's the transliteration of it. So that's how we would say. It looks like that's the Hebrew word itself, right there, and. And that's the English transliteration of it. And uh, this is what they say about unicorn. It's probably the great... I think this is an animal that's extinct. I've never heard of it. Or a wild bull. And so they they say probably just because they don't really know. Uh, So... uh, What do you... What do you... No, no. It's a... So, so let me let me give you. Uh, so anyway, the word unicorn is it's always translated unicorn, and it's in our Bibles nine times. Where does the number nine mean? Yeah, it it has to do with fruit fruit bearing, like uh, a woman's pregnant nine months and she gives birth, and there's nine uh, fruit of the spirit. Uh, so anyway, then it lists each time that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, like, like in his can, it's, it's more, it's more like buffalo. Like buffalo. Yeah. Okay. Buffalo. So that's that's similar to what it's saying here. So since we're guessing, I, I gave you my guess. Uh, 
uh, I'm guessing it's something like a rhinoceros. They have uh, because uh, the word unicorn means single horn. I gave you that definition there. A little further down, it says a large species and fierce species of antelope. Hmm. Okay. So I mean, it's it's really anybody's guess, but uh, I believe it was a literal animal. And uh, there's some things that's mentioned about it here, in that it's uh, it's characterized by being strong. I think I had one more picture. So there's a certain breed of rhinoceroses that only have one horn. So that was just that was just kind of my thoughts. So I don't have anything to base that on. It it's an animal with one horn. So you wonder where they got the depiction of a horse. You wonder where they got what? They got the depiction of a horse. Yeah. Toys yeah, all the kids. Yeah. In the books, they all show one horn. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly why. If maybe, maybe there was a a horse with one horn. Maybe I don't know. So that, uh, yeah, when we when we hear the word unicorn, we we think of the kids' toy. Unicorn. <laughs> uh, Anyway, it is characterized by strength here. Yeah, Lori? Is that um, that you're using, is that the blue letter Bible? Yes. Why, when I looked up unicorn, it says that there's only six. Unicorn occurs in the verse, in verse six. No, wait. In six verses in the King James Version. Well, maybe it's more than once in those verses. Oh, you've got nine different verses. Yeah, that's weird. This, mine says nine. What? 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 Uh, you using King James? Yeah. 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 It's stronger. I miss those days of the Strongs. Uh, yeah. The book. Yeah, the book. Yeah. All right. Well, so if you're like me, you probably didn't know how to spell rhinoceros. So, so that's what I had you put in your blank. If you can read that. Now, I gave you on the. Uh, Dinosaurs are extinct. Whatever we don't think that. Yeah. Right, right, right. So yeah, probably the animal. That may be the best guess, Belinda. That whatever it was is extinct now. And. And that full number. We have drawings in caves. Yeah. What? They have drawings on caves. Of like a unicorn? Huh. Wow. You guys, did you figure it out? Good. All right, well, your teaching point at the bottom of your page there, uh, we'll go just a little bit longer, is that um, under the law... 
this Exodus 34 verses 19 and 20 say, All that openeth the matrix is mine, and every firstling among cattle, among thy cattle, rather ox or sheep that is male. So, so God's just saying that uh, I think the Israelites were supposed to sacrifice uh, the male lamb or sheep or cow or goat. Uh, but, but, but then it says, But the firstling of an ass thou shalt redeem with a lamb. So like the firstborn of the donkeys... They don't sacrifice the firstborn of the donkey, but they kill a sheep for it. And if thou redeem him not, then thou shalt break his neck. It says, All the firstborn of thy sons thou shalt redeem. So he connects this ass with the firstborn of children that need to be redeemed, and none, sh- and none shall appear before me empty. So that kind of connects with the the ass being like a lost person. We we need to be redeemed, don't we? Right. The sheep's for us, really. Yeah, and and Christ is that Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So. Anyway, uh, Rob, are you and Pat tracking with us? Yes, this is for wild ass cults. Pat, are you, are you hanging in there? I'm here. You got any questions? But I've got symbols of one on. I can't see very good. Okay. I know that's a little print. I, I tried to get a lot on the page there, so we're glad you're here, though, sister. And uh, are you are you on the? Did you go to Coleman Baptist up there? Um, well, that's what your son was telling us, telling the men's group. Uh, well, let's finish talking about these uh, peacocks uh, on the back of your handout, uh, chapter thirty-nine. And uh, let's see, Suzanne, would you read thirteen through eighteen? Let's see if we can do all those. So this thing of peacocks, uh, they are not native to Israel, but uh, Solomon had uh, peacocks uh, imported from the ships of Tarshish during his reign. So that was a few years later than Job. But uh, it says that the peacocks are noted for their beauty or their goodly wings. And... uh, and so it is. We, we, we all, when we think of a peacock, uh, you know, NBC, they are proud as a peacock. And, uh, so they're maybe noted for beauty and pride. Uh, and, uh, I was going to show you this. 
I gave you a reference from Proverbs 7. I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, see if I can... This was in uh, Proverbs seven eighteen. Uh, w- one of the times that the Hebrew word uh, peacock is translated solace. Wow, that's different. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you can see it's translated rejoice and peacock and solace, but. Uh, Solomon says that this strange woman from Egypt, uh, she says, "Come now, let us fill, take our fill. take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace, like surround ourselves with love." So just like a peacock, uh, Solomon and we we do this. We call them creature comforts. We try to solace ourselves or comfort or surround ourselves with things that make us look good and and uh, uh, and and find comfort in that and this this strange woman is kind of wooing Solomon to uh, you know take our fill of love until the morning uh, so some of this is a little bit of a caution here that God is speaking to Job about these peacocks and and then uh, he talks about ostriches, and uh, I don't think they're probably maybe native to the Middle East either. But but maybe down where Job's at, they were. But he says that they're without understanding, and they 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 bury yeah. Well, they bury their eggs where you know varmints can get them, or they can be stepped on, and so he acts like you know ostriches are kind of known for not being good mothers. And yeah, have, have you seen it run around any? Oh yeah. Have you? Yeah, they look like. I mean, I was, I've been there. Really? They. Oh, it looks like I wouldn't want to mess with them, and little people can ride on them, I think, and race them or something. But dangerous. <laughs> they look. They look like it. So, uh, kind of what I, I think, I think we'll say right at the end of verse 18, it talks about she, her, she's scorning the horse and his rider, and that's where we'll pick up next time this thing about the horse and rider because that has to do with the antichrist. Uh, but, but look at my teaching point here, and, and let's just kind of park here for a minute. It says these obscure verses are focused on women because it talks about uh, the peacock has her her goodly wings and about the ostrich being uh, a bad mom. So the peacocks perhaps teach us not to focus on outward beauty. So that was the that was the thing I had you put in your blank uh, was beauty. But rather the hidden man of the heart. That's that's what First uh, Peter three tells ladies not to focus on adorning ourselves and the plating of hair, but the hidden man of the heart, uh, being being beautiful on the inside. And then the ostriches perhaps teach women to have a motherly love, 
and not subject their children to danger. And that's pretty good counsel for today, isn't it? Uh, as we see, um, you know, not just mothers, but parents, you know, subjecting their children to, you know, sex change operations and just. Uh, it's just mind-boggling some of the things that are going on in our country. And uh, so if ever there was a time that uh, men need to be men and moms need to be good moms, it's, it's now, isn't it? Any, any other thoughts? Uh, we got a few minutes here. Any, any other comments about this? Or I try to rehearse and get a running start. We, I think we can... Talk most of the time next week about the end of chapter 39. Belinda? I think a lot of the people before us got their wisdom from the Bible. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what they were going to do, they didn't know how to raise cattle, they didn't know how to. Mm hmm. Some of you may be familiar with uh, an organization called Wall Builders, uh, but there's a guy named David Barton and his son. They are kind of the leaders of it, but uh, a lot of churches go... I mean, they have the American Heritage Series, and it it talks about God in our country, and even a time when children learn the alphabet by, you know, verses from the Bible. And so there's... It would be a good series. I, I know a sister church that... It's like a 12-video series just to listen to as a class. Some of that would be really good to, you know... I remember just a little clip I seen from where George Washington, one of his battles, he took off his coat after the battle. There were 17 holes in it. He had gotten shot 17 times, but none of the bullets hit him. He had 17 holes in his coat. I mean, you don't hear that, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, God protected that man, didn't he? And his horse. And his horse. So, Stonewall Jackson had some godly stories about him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't, that was more the Civil War, wasn't it? Or Yeah. I, I'm terrible about history. I've, I know Jim loves it and reads it and... I like for other people to teach me history. I, that's how I like to. Are you? Well, anyway, well, thank you for coming. Uh, it's a good class. We're really kind of growing, and uh, thank you for being here, Rob, and bringing your mom. And hope, hopefully, it was edifying to you and and Pat uh, coming again anytime. Our pastor's out of town today. He's uh, in the Dominican Republic on a mission trip. And uh, so we have with us Doug Pearson. He's an American, but he's a missionary to uh, India. And so Doug Pearson, um, I don't know if his wife is here with him, but Doug is a dear friend to our church. And uh, it's funny, some of you remember the flood of 1993. Uh, the Missouri River broke its... And I went with a group to... Uh, uh, where's that place up? Is it Richmond? Rich Richmond, Missouri. And we we dug buckets of mud out of some Christians' home. Uh, but that's where I met Doug Pearson. He he wasn't a missionary yet. He was a young man. I was a young man, and so that was '93. So I got saved in '92. So a year after I was well, thirty years ago. 
So that's and we we rode in a church van up to Richmond, Missouri. You remember that, that flood down here in Harrisonville? It was like three, four years ago. There's been a couple of them. That was yeah, like three hotel. or four floods in one year. Really? That and then that's when they decided to do oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. By the trade fair was yeah. they blocked. I was actually staying in that that Hampton Inn there. Uh, with wow. my daughter because we would go there on the weekends because I couldn't have her at the doctor house. Ah. I, was, I was doing the sandbags and everything there. Oh my goodness. Pretty neat. Yeah. That is, yeah, good memories. A couple years in a row, I 